0: To begin by saying what great appreciation I have in this moment for (laughs) light, sound, (laughs) for, yeah, the power. Great appreciation for the staff that held us through this time. For all of the beings that came from around the country to help bring our power back. I actually heard tonight there's, it's down to 200,000 people without power. And maybe it's gone down a bit more. And so we can all hold those who are without power in our hearts knowing something of the journey they are on. So tonight, completing the series on the Paramis, the Requisites for Enlightenment, um, these qualities of heart and mind that the Buddha brought to perfection the night he sat under the Bodhi tree and awakened. His is doing so, reminding each of us that this journey is possible for us too. And so it seems very fitting that tonight I would be talking about equanimity, it's um, you know the quality of poise, balance, non-reactivity in the mind. It's um, you know I, I, often the putting together of these talks for me is uh, something of the talk living through me, and when I began, I think it was on Thursday, putting together this talk on the computer that I thought I would no longer see this talk. (laughs) Um, On the subject of equanimity, I had no idea how the lessons would be coming hard and fast. (laughs) You know, um, beginning with the computer not being accessible. Uh, Last night, finding myself with flashlight, trying to write out some notes for today all of the different changes we've been through, you know, to just watch as, um, you know, the power disappeared and then in the beginning how it came on and off uh, and how the water did its little appearing and disappearing phase, Um, just how conditions, you know. It's like it was hard to get totally elated when things turned good, because we knew <laughs> there was a real training, then in the next moment it could be completely different. Uh, it, you know, certainly at times, because there was just no sense, no possibility of things being in our control, that there was, you know, I'll speak for myself, periods where it was like, oh, this is just the way it is right now. And, to be honest, there was other periods where it was like, (laughs) there was definitely moments of reactivity. And this is all what we will be exploring in the talk tonight. Waldo Emerson once said, When some external event raises your spirits and you think good days are preparing for you, do not believe it. It can never be so. Nothing can bring you peace but yourself. And I think that, you know, we really begin to see how if we are relying on external conditions, for our happiness, for our peace, it's very, very fragile. And that if we can explore within this heart and mind to come to know truth, to have a deep understanding of the way of things and to live in alignment with that, that is where true peace comes can be found. The peace comes through wisdom or understanding which allows one to be at ease with the changing conditions of life. So this quality of equanimity, a mind of balance, Poised, non reactive, stable within changing conditions. When equanimity is present, we're not experiencing the tentacles of attachment, desire, nor are we being throw- thrown about by aversion sense of pushing away, not wanting. We find that we don't get overly excited nor really grief-stricken. There's an evenness of mind that can open and include all aspects of experience. equanimity is not a form of indifference, not caring. It's deeply connected but with wisdom, clear seeing, non-reactivity. Because of this there's a great receptivity and acceptance of the way things are. This enables us to be responsive rather than reactive. It means our actions, words, can come from a place of wisdom. There are two aspects of equanimity. Um, One of the Pali words that relates to equanimity is upeka. And it means... To look over. And this is connected with the power or capacity to observe and be aware. We find that we can look over the totality of experience without being caught in the preferences, the reactivity. There's a vastness of vision that happens. We can see the whole picture With understanding. And this is rooted in insight. Now equanimity is not just a state that we fall into, but it comes from understanding of the way things are. And then we're not seduced by the beautiful nor put off by the difficulties. Without this quality of equanimity we would never be able to step into the unknown because fear, reaction arises if there is unknown if something seems unknown but when the mind is balanced it stays connected it can look and see, be responsive but it doesn't fall into fear So the first aspect of equanimity, having the cap- the power of capacity to observe, to look over. The second comes from another word that gets translated as equanimity, and it'll be a miracle if I can pronounce it. It's called uh, Tatra Majja Hattata. <laughs> it's a big one. <laughs> And it's related, uh, or the direct translation, is to stand in the middle of all things. And this is certainly, I get a sense of, with equanimity. You know, it's not just that, um, that we have really neutral experience, but it's the standing in the midst of all of these changes and being in balance. So there's an inner balance that is happening. An example that's often used is that of a mountain. And this is certainly uh, something that, you know, I can relate to in my bones because I grew up near the Rocky Mountains in Canada and um, I often thought that, you know, in looking back over my life, that the mountains were really my first teacher. No, I went out into nature to take refuge. And being in the mountains, you know, it's not as if you're just in a beautiful environment that you see on postcards, that being in the midst of mountains, being up on a mountain, there are just so many changes. The weather is constantly changing. You know, one minute it's raining, the next minute it's snowing, hailing, there's lightning, the, you know, the cl- the clouds are dense and thick and then suddenly it's spectacularly beautiful and the mountain just sits. It receives it all. Even in climbing the mountain, there was a sense of, um, you know, that... One couldn't fight against nature. That one had to be balanced and in response. You know that if you begin climbing a mountain on a beautiful clear day, and you get part way up that mountain and you see a big storm rolling in, you know it's just foolhardiness that would take one to the top. That one really yields to the conditions is connected and responsive. So the mountain, unmoved, unwavering, with all experiences, accepting the snow, the sleet, the hail, the lightning, the thunder, the way the surface changes, you know Boulders fall, Creek beds appear where they weren't before, get changed. Trees fall, avalanches come down. In our lives, we have this capacity, this potential to receive all of these changes. Equanimity, spacious as the sky. It can hold the 10,000 joys and the 10,000 sorrows. I love a line from Rainer Rilke, let everything happen to you, beauty and terror, just keep going, no feeling is final. Now as we sit, we let it all wash through. We let it all arise and pass away again, bearing witness, knowing. I think it's helpful to remember that equanimity is vast and spacious. We tend to think of inner balance as being that of walking a tightrope, where one little wobble and we'll fall into the abyss. Where when there is this quality of inner balance, it's huge, all-pervasive. I wanted to share a teaching story, and this teaching story kind of varies in, you know, there's old versions of it, new more modern versions of it. Um, So this is just one of the versions. There was a man who was unexpectedly laid off from work, and a neighbor learned of this event, sadly shook his head and said, How terrible it is that you've lost your job. Perhaps, the man replied, and since the man was now unemployed, he took a walk downtown. Then he bumped into an old friend and successful banker. The banker offered him a job at twice the money of his previous one. When the the neighbor heard the good news, he could barely contain his excitement. That's fantastic, said the neighbor. Perhaps, answered the man. Two days later, while working... At his new job, the man slipped and injured his back. When the neighbor noticed the man hobble home, he asked what had happened. After learning the news, the man was sympathetic. Oh, that's too bad. What an unlucky break, he said. Perhaps, said the man. The next day, as the man stayed at home nursing his bad back, the bank was victimized by a terrifying robbery. When the neighbor read about it, he called his friend on the phone, and he said, what a stroke of luck that you missed the robbery, declared the neighbor. Perhaps, answered the man again, without missing a single beat. And on it goes. I mean, this is maybe something of our experience in the last days. I was thinking, <laughs> there was a, a, a joke that came out of this period of time that I heard today, uh, I'm not sure if you're aware but over at the main retreat center we had been operating the three month retreat and it had been going on for three months and it finished on Saturday morning so um, they were saying how this whole event had been a test for the yogis they said first the power disappeared and then they could look and see if they were still happy and then the water disappeared, and then they could look and see if they were still happy. And you know, on Saturday, if they went home and were still happy, they knew they had passed the test. <laughs> but equanimity, so equanimity is not just a quality that is helpful in meditation, in practice, but it's really something useful as we face. The challenges of having a body, living in this world, and all of the changing conditions of it. It's important that we don't mistake equanimity for passivity, resignation, detachment. Because that holds within it futility, hopelessness. You know, we we might hear a a false sense of equanimity. Well, oh, it's okay. There's nothing I can do about it anyways. But the energy's collapsed with it. Where equanimity is meeting experience. It's present, connected. Connected. It's imbued with patience, knowing this is just the way things are right now. There's wisdom that knows we can't hold on to the way things were. There's nothing to hang on to in conditioned experience. The indifference, if we look, and you know, we have to pay attention to to be able to recognize whether the mind is really balanced, is non-reactive, or whether there is indifference. Because it can be very subtle. And yet, if we look, we'll see with indifference, there's a distancing, a sense of separation. There might be slight glimmering of aversion, sometimes that indifference is there as a protective mechanism, that we may have fear of connection, fear of intimacy. And so there comes the uh, distancing that can have the appearance of equanimity but is vastly different. With equanimity, we're fully alive, vital. In my own life, I have been really surprised to see how much reactivity there can be. And, you know, before I began meditation practice, I thought I was a pretty balanced person. You know, just not huge swings. And yet, through the power of meditation, of looking more closely, being able to see that sometimes the reactivity is, you know, almost on a cellular level. You know, the, the pull to the pleasant, the pushing away of the unpleasant. And... The exhaustion of that, even as we experience it very subtly. Now when the mind is seduced by craving, desire, the agitation that occurs. And when we're, you know, trying to push away, repel experiences, the exhaustion that happens. looking into our experience to see if there is reactivity. And maybe over these last few days it's become apparent in certain ways. That's okay. We just need to recognize it. We need to let the acceptance be big enough to include this too. We can see in moments of reactivity if there is some level of acceptance. I remember one time experiencing really strong anger and thinking that I had been mindful of it, noting it, awareness of it. And yet, when true acceptance came, there was such an opening to this state where if it lasted for the rest of my life, it felt like it would be okay. So we, ha- we really have to notice where, you know, the way we're practicing is trying to edge out the reactivity, you know, tr- or trying to distance, subdue, rather than the letting go that comes through wisdom. I found it interesting in the last few days to just watch too with what had been pleasant experience and unpleasant experience and how that changes. And walking down the road yesterday hearing the sound of a chainsaw it was so pleasant. You know, I would have never guessed. The hum of electricity has a more pleasant sound to it. You no. Know, um just seeing these changes, just noticing, you know, the temperature, my body just became acutely sensitized and I noticed that, you know, when I would walk into a room where there was warmth and I would feel it on the skin, there, there could be this, ah, ah, <laughs> you know, the, the real pleasantness. And you know, so it was seen where there was, you know, uh, there there was enchantment with, there was delight in, um scene where there was reaction. Actually at one point there was one experience that, you know, it was one thought that just the equanimity shook. And it it was a humbling moment you know that to to know that even though going along things seeming pretty stable in the internal world that boom something could happen that would shake that and then just needing to keep practicing from there needing to you know look wow what's happening here letting go of the Equanimity that had been, and being with the reactiveness in the moment, being with what had gotten triggered, the emotions that were present, the thoughts that were there, and allowing myself to be humbled, which sitting in the place of humility. If we really sit there, there's compassion, tenderness, When we look at equanimity from the perspective of balance, in practice, there's a couple of aspects that are uh, worth paying attention to. Seeing that there's a balance between faith and wisdom. You know, when we come to a retreat, and we begin the retreat, sometimes there can be very strong faith that brings about a lot of energy. We can have moments in practice where that actually leads to clear seeing, a deep understanding. And if we, uh, it can strengthen our faith, but we can find that we get lost in papancha about what's being seen. What's being known. Our faith becomes overly exuberant, and uh, can carry us away. Can you know? It, I don't know if you've had times in your practice where you see something and it's it's really uh, it's wonderful. You know, for a moment something is clearly seen in a new way, and then you're telling your friends about it. And then you're in a sitting group where you're talking about it. And then you're building a retreat center so that others can come and hear. And then you're sitting up there giving a Dharma talk. And it just was from one moment where something was seen in a new way. With the wisdom, sometimes we find that in a moment of seeing we then go from a direct experience to reflecting on, thinking about, extrapolating that wisdom. And we've lost touch with the moment. We're lost in thought world. This the potential for direct experience is gone. Needing to find the balance. To you know, there can be a, a moment where you know we see something in a new way and then recognize, well, if that's true, you know, it's verifying something in our own experience, maybe the rest of the teachings are true. And so we undertake to discover, to explore, for ourselves, needing to surrender to the practice, to the unfolding. We find with balance, needing to find a balance between effort that we make and concentration. If we make too much effort, we get tight. If we relax, stay steady, concentration deepens. This morning in the reflection I I spoke about the balance between tranquility and alertness, sense of receptivity, openness, receiving experience and at the same time being aware, alert, interested. We can Look at equanimity in the vicissitudes of life. Looking at the events of life. The vicissitudes of life are praise and blame, pleasure and pain, gain and loss, fame and disrepute. We've probably all had moments where someone heaped praise on us. Did the mind stay balanced or did it inflate, sense of ego, being good, wonderful? Or when others blame us, is there a reaction? Does pride come up? I know for myself it can be immensely painful to be wrongly accused of something. But if one looks in one's experience, one can see what is being hit, triggered. One can find balance. Pleasure and pain. We've often speak of the chasing after, the pleasure, the sense pleasure, leads to a life of addiction. And we see it in our practice. It may not be that we have um, you know, major addictions that uh, cause a lot of suffering in our lives, but just that continual movement towards that which is Pleasurable. Or if we identify with pain, you know, that we're sitting here and the body starts to hurt or the mind states are challenging. We become a bad person, bad yogi, not able to do this practice. But with equanimity, there can be moments of pleasure that are known in their totality. Moments of pain, without becoming the pain. Gain and loss. It's a common tendency to be happy when life is abundant, when there is gain. You know, when life is full and rich, people and things. But it can be devastating then, when loss happens. Maybe the loss of one's health, the loss of loved ones, the loss of one's belongings, the loss of a beautiful mind state. Equanimity, balance, being like in the teaching story where one just simply sees this is the way it is right now. Fame and disrepute, this too is the vicissitudes of life. We look at, can look at the Hollywood stars to see how one can one day be in fame and another day be in disrepute. Politicians. And it can happen in life that one becomes Famous can it be with balance and evenness of mind? The Buddha was such a living example of someone with this evenness of mind. He was, you know, I often think of the Buddha as being, you know, somebody who you would, you would see and you would just know, This was a fully awakened being and that uh, everyone would treat him with such respect. And yet the stories of his life show that there was those who didn't, those who were jealous of him, those who had animosity towards him, wanted to cause him harm. You know, he was accused of being a murderer. He was accused of getting a woman pregnant. Someone tried to kill him. But he never held these people as his enemies. His mind was even, steadfast, unwavering. This is from the Buddha in the Dhammapada. As an elephant in the battlefield endures the arrows shot from a bow, even so I will endure abuse and unfriendly expressions of others. Noticing if someone is speaking harshly, unfavorably. Is there reactivity in the mind? We don't have to take it on. We don't have to take it personally. Many, number of years ago, I had a very strong experience in this with someone who had been very difficult in my own life. And, you know, I was often prone to getting really reactive to their anger. And they were prone to anger, so, you know, it made for a very reactive relationship. And then one day the conditions were just such that as the anger was being hurled at me, There was a spaciousness. There was non-reactivity. And it was a very interesting moment because I could see that when it didn't land anywhere, they stopped. You know, it was like they could see as if they vomited in the middle of the room and it was suddenly mirrored back to them. I'd like to speak a little bit about equanimity as a Brahma-vihara. As um, you probably all familiar with the divine abidings, our natural home, um, loving kindness, compassion, appreciative joy, and equanimity being the fourth one. Well, equanimity uh, can be done as a practice itself, where one offers the phrases, you know, similar, we we go through all of the different categories that we have in the other practices, but we're offering the phrases that um, all beings are owners of their own karma. Their happiness or unhappiness depends upon their actions and not upon my wishes for them. It's a phrase that takes the mind into wisdom. I remember when I was doing Brahma Vihara practice, and I'd been going for six weeks, and you know I'd done metta and compassion and an appreciative joy, and uh, when I got to equanimity and started saying this phrase to all of these beings whom I had been wishing well for, It was like, whoa, sober up. (laughs) It was very sobering. And what was surprising was how freeing it was. How it meant that loving kindness could be offered without attachment. That compassion becomes stronger, more stable, more courageous... When equanimity is present, and it keeps appreciative joy from getting lost in exuberance. Equanimity has within it the quality of impartiality, which allows the heart to be all inclusive to let our loving-kindness, compassion, appreciative joy be extended to all beings without exception, without distinction. I loved uh, something I just read the other day about apparently one time the Dalai Lama was asked if he had any peers and he responded by saying, yes, yes. Everyone. <laughs> Can our hearts be that inclusive? All beings everywhere. This is what equanimity opens us up to. Once again, here we get a sense of the vastness, the spaciousness. The understanding of the law of karma itself helps us to be free of our attachment to those who are dear to us, knowing that however much we love and care for them, their happiness is dependent on their karma, and we can't change that. Doesn't mean we throw them out of our hearts. it doesn't mean we become indifferent. But we empower them through letting them live life as they see fit. Actually, in the teachings, often an example that's used of equanimity is that of a parent and how you know they have you have a child, and when the child's young and can't care for themselves. You both love and care for them. One day they grow up. They walk out the door. And they make their own decisions. And as a parent one has to let go of the role that one has played. Has to empower them to live their life. Which doesn't mean one retracts one's love. Doesn't mean one doesn't offer support. But It's like giving them the space to grow in, to have their own learning, to discover for themselves. And maybe they make choices that are not wise. We can still be there to pick them up, to help them. But knowing that we can't live their life for them. it's said that it, it helps to strengthen equanimity to reflect on how all beings are owners of their own karma. You know, it, this helps to bring the mind into balance. So equanimity. Looking at how We can strengthen it because we can't fabricate it. There's no way that, you know, we we can pretend to be equanimous, but it's only pretending. You know, it's, and it doesn't have a lot of hold, a lot of juice to it. Even in the training to be with the breath just as it is. This sets the stage for equanimity, for acceptance, receiving, letting be. And then we expand this instruction to include the breath, thoughts, mind states, sensations. Really learning to be equally with all experiences with an evenness of mind a steadiness of mind noticing where our preferences are noticing where the push and the pull is looking to balance, that the mind is neither too tight nor too loose. I've noticed in my own life of retreat experience that after a day of practice, sometimes the mind gets overcharged at night. It's really bright and brittle and found it really helpful to look when that happens in the mind to what is cooling what helps take the zing out of that over-energized mind you know it could be um, I, I did things like noticing darkness just letting the mind rest in darkness or sometimes the metaphrases were very cooling meta for oneself. Sometimes it was just a sense of resting in this blazing field of awareness. Just looking to where there's that evenness, coolness, non-reactivity. Are working with the hindrances, from a place of inclusion, a place of balance, even though they come up strongly, even though we may at times get lost in them, recognizing them with an evenness of mind, a steadiness of mindfulness, In our daily activities, working with all activities. There is no, you know, this is where the impartiality, every activity worthy of mindfulness. And this leads to continuity of mindfulness which leads to equanimity. So no part left out. Nothing to get through to get to the next event, including everything. Looking in our hearts to see where the boundaries are, to see where it doesn't extend to Certain types of beings to certain people. You know, for some of us, it could be um, insects where the mind gets reactive, or it could be different people that we know. Becoming aware where that shutting down happens, where that pushing away happens. Can we be inclusive? in the exploration of the push and the pull and the reactivity, one of the things that I found interesting is laziness and how my laziness can be um, just from the habit of, of not wanting to connect with unpleasant experience and kind of going the path of least resistance So, you know, uh, that can be my great love of slip-on shoes because of, you know, sometimes the unpleasantness of bending down to tie up one's shoes can, you know, there can just be resistance to. Um, You know, sometimes where I would sit in a room being dictated between where the easiest place Know, that we make choices because the mind is reactive. And so this is what we pay attention to noticing the preferences. Mm-hmm. So the quality of equanimity, the steadfastness, the mind that is unwavering, stable, like a mountain. Sariputta, the chief disciple of the Buddha, said, Just as a mountain or rock is unwavering, well settled, so the one whose delusion is ended is like a mountain, undisturbed. May we all sit like a mountain, unwavering and steadfast. So let's just sit for a moment. from Ajahn Sumedho. The mind is like space. There is room in it for everything, for nothing. We always have a perspective once we know that space of the mind, its emptiness, armies can come into the mind and leave. Butterflies, rain clouds, or nothing. All things can come and go through without us being caught in reaction or resistance. (laughs) May all beings come to know the ease of equanimity.